0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. in week two of our I Am series, Jesus According to Jesus. And we are looking at our I, or we're looking at the Lord's I Am statements uh, that he makes in the gospel. Seven I Am statements. And uh, we're going to run into all of these in the gospel of John. How many of you have been living in the word, abiding in the word this week and you're being transformed journals? Uh, How many of you have your journal with you? I've got my family here with me. Gus has got his journal with him. I hope you have your journal with you uh, today at home. You're at home, there's no excuses. You should have your journal with you. Um, I know our family has been enjoying it. We've been enjoying reading through the book of John. We have our individual quiet times together in the morning and then we get together later, whether it's on the way to school or at dinner or on the way to Blocks Conference, which was amazing, by the way. And if you missed it, you can go back and watch all of the message, uh, messages on YouTube. Uh, but we'll get together and talk about what the Lord showed us, like what we wrote down in our Being Transformed journal. And it has been so good. So I encourage you um, to to keep up uh, your Being Transformed journal, to, to stay in the gospel of John with us. And maybe you're like, you know what, this week threw me some curveballs and I missed a day or two or three or four. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Uh, You can, right where you're at, just pick up. Don't like go back and try to catch up and catch up with what you missed. Just start fresh tomorrow with us in John chapter 7. Uh, So tomorrow in John chapter 8, or today in John chapter 8, we're going to be looking at uh, an I am statement of Jesus that he declared. And what I love about these I am statements is there's so much more than just like a historical figure and a historical quote by that historical figure. This is more than a historical account. These I am statements of Jesus are living. These are living words. They're alive today. These I am statements are Jesus inviting you to act on, inviting you to believe these words and to act on these words. Words. Last week, Pastor Josh preached a message on the I am statement. I am the bread of life. Again, it's not just a historical account. It's not just a historical quote by a historical figure. This is the living words of Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, inviting you to believe that and then inviting you to act on it. Jesus is the bread of life. He is the main thing. He is my sustenance, my provider. All of my needs are met in Him. How are we? going to act on that living statement. So the I am statement that we're looking at today is found in John chapter 8, verse 12. And uh, if you were here, I'd have you stand, but today, just stay seated. But if you would read this, the words are going to pop up on the screen. I want you to read this out loud with me today. Jesus uh, says in John eight twelve, it says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Now, the Gospel of John mentions light over 30 times. Uh, You may remember it in Monday when we read through John 1 John talks about light. He refers to light over and over and over again as he is introducing Jesus, the Son of Heaven. And this theme of light is a major theme in all of John's writing. He has the Gospel of John, and then he has three letters: first John, second John, third John, and then he has revelation. But in his letters, first, second and third John, he continues to refer to Jesus as light. In fact, John, uh, when he's much older in ministry and he's ending the near, or he's near the end of his life, he says this in First John 1. He says, "This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you." Okay, I want you to think about this for a second. This is John, John who has Uh, apprenticed under Jesus his entire life. He's getting older. He's nearing the end of his life. He walked with Jesus on this earth. He grew up with the apostles. He was so close with Jesus when Jesus walked the earth that Jesus left uh, the care of his mother uh, in the hands of John. He asked John to take care of Mary when he was going to the cross. He was part of the inner circle with Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Like, he was as close as you could get to Jesus when Jesus walked the earth. And this is the message that John heard from Jesus. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. God is light. This is the message Jesus's closest followers heard from him. And because God is light, and because Jesus is God, and Jesus is God in the flesh, Jesus could boldly say, I am light. And he says that we can have his light, and that we are the light of the world. We know those famous words from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, that we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So we see that light is like a mega theme in scripture, is an important, important theme. But what is light? Let's start at the beginning. You can insert your cheesy sound of music joke right there. Let's start at the beginning, Genesis 1, 1 through 4. This is a creation narrative, the very first verses in all of Scripture. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. So the very first thing that God spoke in the creation narrative was light be. Light be and light was. Light was. Now, we tend to think about light as a physical substance, like the sun or the stars or a candle or a torch or a light bulb. Yet in Genesis, we see that light was before the sun was. Light was before the stars were. So there's a supernatural aspect to light. And we know, thanks to John's vision in Revelation, that there will be no sun or no moon in the new heavens and new earth, but there will be light. So there's more to light than just a physical substance. There's a supernatural, a spiritual aspect to light. So we see we've got the physical substance. Think sun, moon, candles, light bulbs, right? And then we have the supernatural aspect of light. Think God, think Jesus, think you as the light of the world. Now, if I walk into a room with a candle, that candle is going to light up the literally dark room. But if I walk into a literally dark room, my life is not glowing. Like my light, my body does not physically glow. So I'm not going to light up the room yet. Jesus says I am light. So there's the physical aspects of light, like a candle, and then there's the supernatural aspects of light, like God, Jesus, and the light that's in me, his light in me. So there's physical light, there's supernatural light, and what we observe about physical light helps us to understand aspects of supernatural light. It helps us to understand the significance of supernatural light. This major theme in scripture, this living statement of Jesus, when we look at physical light, it helps us to understand just how significant this statement was. In fact, when Jesus declared that he was the light of the world, he was at the Feast of Tabernacles. What's the Feast of Tabernacles? It was uh, one of the Israelites' seven feasts that they celebrated every year, and it was a week-long party, like a week-long celebration where they would uh, celebrate how God led the Israelites through the wilderness. And there were several things In this festival that pointed back to the provision and the miracles that they saw, that their ancestors saw as they walked through the wilderness as God led them during the Exodus. There were things that helped them remember the pillar of fire that gave light to them as they walked through uh, the wilderness. So on the first night of this feast... There's these huge candelabras. They're huge, and they were housed in the court of women, and they would be lit up on the first night, and they were so bright that there was no courtyard in Jerusalem that was not lit up with the light from these candelabras, and men would dance and celebrate by candlelight by this physical substance of light all night. Now, guess where Jesus was when he declared that he was the light of the world? He was in the room that housed these candelabras, he was in the court of women, he was in this place that, where these candelabras were illuminating Jerusalem during the feast. Now, was this a coincidence? Of course not. Jesus knew exactly where he was, exactly the room that he was in. He he knew what feast he was at. He knew what was being celebrated. And he, in this moment, in this I am moment, he brilliantly applies all all that the candelabras represent. He brilliantly applies all that the physical light uh, represents in that moment. He applies it to himself. And he says, I am the light of the world. I am the light that led the Israelites through wilderness. I am uh, the light of not just Jerusalem, but I'm the light of the world. I want to illuminate more than every courtyard in Jerusalem. I want to illuminate the world. And if you let me, I want to illuminate your life. Verse 30 tells us that many people believed in him after this moment because people need light. People need the light of Jesus. So we're gonna look at some characteristics of physical light. Uh, to help us understand the significance, to help us understand just how impactful this statement is that Jesus is inviting us to believe and act on today, that he is the light of the world. Okay, the first one, five things for you this morning. The first one, if you're taking notes, is light brings order to chaos. Light brings order to chaos. Now in Genesis 1 we just read it says the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. The message says it like this. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. We see that the earth was chaotic. It was unorganized, it was empty. But then God called for light to be and light was and light brought order order to the creation process. Okay, now I want you to look at John 1 with me and this is gonna feel somewhat deja vu-ish because you just read it on Monday and it's also very similar to the creation narrative that we read in Genesis. But I assure you, this is John. John 1 says, in the beginning, sounds familiar, right? In the beginning was the word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus was there in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Him was the light of men. So just as light brought order to the creation process, Jesus brings order to our lives when we turn to Him and when we let His life invade our lives. If you're taking notes, you can write these two statements down. The light of Jesus brought order to the creation of the world, and the light of Jesus. Brings order to those who are a new creation in Christ. Anytime there's new creation happening, we need light to bring order to what was chaotic, to what was chaos. 2 Corinthians 5:17 says if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation old things have passed away behold all things have become new when you turn to Jesus you became a new creation as light is needed to bring order to that process the soup of nothingness that bottomless emptiness, all the disorder, all the chaos, that's what's going on in us before Jesus comes and floods our life with his light. We may not be totally aware of it. Maybe you're, you, you remember this. You're just kind of going through like life. You're just kind of hanging out, and then you see Jesus. Like The light of Jesus is revealed to you, and all of a sudden, now you realize that your life up to this point has been kind of meaningless and it's been disordered and, it, and it's been empty because Jesus has not been the light of your life. You realize how chaotic it has been. You see the inky darkness that you're experiencing. You start to realize how adjusted your eyes have become over time to the darkness that you're in. How many of you can recall that day? Let me see a, 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 like a little hand-raised emoji. You can recall the day, the day that he appeared, that the light of Jesus was shining, and you saw God through the light of Jesus, and you said, it's no longer I who live, but him who lives in me. And your soul felt its worth. You remember that day? Don't forget that day. Remember that day when the light of Jesus flooded your life and you became a new creation. That old soup of nothingness, that emptiness, that void, it all passed away and things became new. The life of Jesus in you brings light and order to what was once chaos. My life used to be formless, but light came and brought order and now my life has form. I was just a blob of clay, but now I am clay in the potter's hands, and he is uh, creating me. I am the work of his hands. My life used to be empty. But light came and brought order, and now my life is full. I searched the world and I came up empty. Nothing could satisfy the desires of my heart, but light came and I saw him, the bread of life. He now satisfies me and sustains me. I am full. My life used to be meaningless, but light came and brought order, and now I see there's a purpose. I wondered, what on earth am I here for? What is the point of my life? Why do I exist? But light came and brought order, and now I understand that I live to bring God glory, that I'm a co-laborer with Christ. My life used to be disordered, but light came and brought order, and now there's an organization to my life. My life used to be disordered. It was me first, but God came and he shined the light of Jesus. And now I see I've got to seek first the kingdom of God. Now my life is organized My life used to be inky darkness, but light came and brought order, and now my life is full of light. I can see my sin for what it really is. I can see Jesus for who he really is, his grace and his mercy. I can see my purpose. I can see his holiness, and people can see him in me. Light brings order to chaos. Don't forget how God has brought order to your life. The light of Jesus has brought order to the life of men. Number two, light overcomes darkness. Light overcomes darkness. Now, I'm sure you've noticed this. Maybe you've never thought about it. But when you walk into a dark room and you flip on a light, light wins every time game, set, mat. It's not like this struggle of like, who's going to win? Is it the light or it's the dark? The light wins and the, the darkness is gone. The light comes and the darkness is gone. John 1, 5 says, the light shines in the darkness. Who is the light? Jesus is the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I love how Rick Renner translates this when you really break it down in the original Greek. He says it like this, darkness does not have the ability to suppress or hold the light under its domain. Darkness doesn't have the ability to hold the light of Jesus under its domain. Now, just as there are supernatural aspects to light, there are also supernatural aspects to darkness. Where light represents God and purity and perfection and everything that is holy. It represents life. It represents order. Darkness represents everything that is anti-God. It represents wickedness. It represents hell and death and chaos and confusion. So there's spiritual aspects to the dark and spiritual aspects to the light. We understand when we're watching the news, if the the reporter says it was a dark day for our country, we understand something evil has happened, something bad has happened. Uh, If we're watching the news and they say, we hope this one-minute segment on this three-legged dog brightens your day, we know that that story is going to have a happy ending. It's going to brighten our day. We associate light with good. God is good. We associate darkness with evil. Uh, We don't hear uh, love songs talking about how you darken up my life, right? No, that would be a bad song. It's you light up my life. There are not TV shows uh, called Are You Afraid of the Light? It's Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because dark has supernatural uh, aspect to it. Uh, No child has ever asked their parents to Turn off the light because the light is scaring them. Like, ah, could you please turn off the light? The light is freaking me out. No, children ask for a night light so that their room is not completely dark. They want the hall light on. And so it uh, creeps through the crack at the bottom of their door. We understand that uh, there's a difference between light and dark and that there's a spiritual component to both of them. Darkness symbolizes all that's anti-God. And you know, as well as I know, that we uh, live in a fallen world and we're going to experience dark days, dark days that are full of uh, complexity and, and, and uh, distress, calamity. We're going to experience dark days. Many of you have heard this story. Some of you may not have heard it, but one of the darkest days in our lives was when I found out halfway through pregnancy, 20 weeks in, that I was going to have to deliver a baby stillborn. You can imagine and you can be sure that that day was full of distress and calamity and perplexity. It was such a dark moment in our lives, a dark day. And I'll never forget that night, an acquaintance, not really a friend even, but an acquaintance that had my number from our church that we attended in in Frisco. She messaged me and the, the verse that she sent me was John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not. Overcome it. And I remember, like, I know where I was when I got that text. Like, I can still see myself. I was in the guest room at Josh's parents' house and uh, next to this huge king, like, extra king size bed that they had up there. And I can still remember looking at my phone. I can see the carpet underneath my feet. She sent me that verse, and my heart just grabbed onto it. I clung to that verse. I clung to the truth of that verse that light would shine in the darkness, that darkness could not be overcome. Darkness did not have the ability to suppress or hold the light of Jesus under its domain. And I began to turn my eyes to Jesus and focus on him. My mom messaged me the next day and said, I am, is with you. And even though it was dark, I knew that I knew that I knew that I am, that Jesus was with me, that the light of the world was with me, and that the darkness could not and would not overcome the light of the world. I remember making a decision that day that the next time I had a baby, I would name that baby something that had to do with light. Light, the light of Jesus that shines in the darkness. Ray, if it was a boy, and Sunny, <laughs> if it was a girl. And Sunny came 17 months later, and Sunny girl, you remind us all of the time that light does not have the ability to suppress or hold darkness under its domain. You are a reminder that light shines in the darkness for the godly. Wherever you're at today, maybe you find yourself in a deep dark cave and you're experiencing supernatural darkness, I'm telling you, turn your eyes to the light of the world because that darkness cannot be overcome or that darkness will be overcome by the light Of Jesus. Hear these words of him. They are living words inviting you to believe and inviting you to act this morning. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Number three, light guides. Light guides. Light brings order to chaos. Light cannot be overcome by darkness and light guides. Now, Physical light has been used as a navigation technique for thousands and thousands of years. We have brave, bold sailors like Maui and Moana that are out on the open ocean, and they're using the stars and the moon and the horizon to navigate the open ocean. People have used light as a navigation technique for thousands and thousands of years. I was just reading in Acts about when Paul, the apostle Paul, is being transported to see Caesar And the ship that he is on encounters this crazy, intense storm at sea. And this is what Luke writes in Acts 27.20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the great storm continued to batter us, we abandoned all hope of being saved. Now, this was before the compass was invented. So the sun and the stars were very important to these men on this ship. And it says that the sun or stars hadn't appeared for many days. So this means that they are out on the open ocean or the sea, and, and there's no sun or stars to guide them, but their ship is moving, and they have no idea what direction they are heading in. And so it causes them to abandon all Hope. They throw hope overboard and uh, they, they kind of, or uh, not kind of, but they do resign that they're going to die at sea because they didn't have light to guide them. They lost hope. And it's at this point, Paul stands up and says, guys, it's going to be all right. We're not going to die. An angel appeared to me and told me that I was going to make it to my appointment with Caesar and that we would get to our destination and that you guys are all going to be okay too. Now, when the physical substance of the sun and the stars failed to guide, God sent supernatural light to guide Paul. Light guides. And maybe you're thinking, man, it sure would be awesome if an angel would show up and tell me that I'm on the right track, or I really would love it to know if I am headed in the right direction. I really wish an angel could just show up and do that for me. That might happen. It's never happened to me before. It might happen for you. I'm not saying it can't happen. It might happen, but guess what? It also might not happen. But I have good news for you today. The same supernatural guidance that an angel of heaven would give you if he showed up into your room tonight can be found in the word of God. And this is not a might or might not thing. This is a sure thing. The word of God guides, light guides. In the beginning, the word was with God. That was Jesus. Jesus is the word. The word guides. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How many of you like to go hiking in the woods at night, the unfamiliar woods at night? Not me. If, you, if you're going to go hiking in unfamiliar woods at night, which I wouldn't, but if you were, you should bring a flashlight, right? You'd, you'd bring a flashlight with you. We understand that if we're going on a hike in the dark, we need to be able to see our feet. We need to have a lamp on our feet so that we know how to walk. Like, do we need to take a big step here? Do we need to tread lightly here? Do we need to stay still because there's like a snake or something that's about to cross our path? Do we need to, uh, do we need to pick up our pace? Like, what kind of shoes do we need to wear? We need a lamp to our feet that shows us how to walk. In the same way, God wants to show you how to walk. He wants to be a lamp to your feet. And we see in his word how we are to walk. In Scripture, we see we are to walk humbly, that we are to walk uprightly, that we are to walk worthy of the call. The lamp to our feet, the Word of God shows us what kind of shoes we're supposed to wear, shoes of peace. It shows us that we're supposed to uh, uh, keep in step with the Spirit. It shows us how to walk, the pace in which we are to walk. We have a lamp to our feet. A lot of people are so concerned about where we're going, about where we need to get to that many of us are not paying attention to the manner in which we need to walk in order to get there. God wants to reveal to you how to walk. His word is a lamp that lights your feet and tells you exactly how to walk. He wants to light your feet, not just your path, but he does want to light your path. If you're walking through the dark woods, you're not gonna keep the flashlight at your feet the whole time. You're gonna point the flashlight out ahead so you can see what's coming, what direction you're going and what direction you're going to take. When we read God's word, he illuminates the path of our lives. A lot of believers will say things like, man, I just wanna know the will of God. I wanna know the will. I wanna know the will. God, let me know your will because I wanna do your will. And they act like, God's will is hidden from them, but it's not. His will is plain. His will is his word. His will is his word. So instead of walking in darkness, hoping that we bump into God's will, we gotta see God's word for what it is. God's word is a light, a light that will guide you, a light that will show you how to walk and where to walk. Now, it may not, it will not tell you exactly who to marry, Maybe that's something that you're like, Lord, Just I want your will for, for marriage. Just show me who I'm supposed to marry. It won't show you exactly who you're supposed to marry. That's not how it works. But his word will tell you what to look for in a spouse. His word will tell you what his will is concerning a godly marriage. And as you put that lamp to your feet and choose to walk like he says to walk, how he shows you to walk in Scripture, and as you choose to study the word and hide his word in your heart, It's not hidden from you, but you hide his word in your heart as you read it, as you meditate on it. You hide it in his heart, and as you're walking down your path, how he's told you to walk, how he's instructed you to walk, that light will begin to shine forth at the right time, and it will light up your path, and it will either guide you to, uh, to somebody that you're supposed to marry, or it will guide you away from the person that you're not supposed to marry. This is how God's word works. His word is a light. His word guides Asking God to order your steps. Maybe you're praying and asking God, order my steps. You're praying that he will reveal the path that he has for your life. Asking him to do that without reading the word of God, the lamp to your feet and the light to your path is like asking a flashlight to lead you down a dark path and not putting batteries in that flashlight. We're gonna get lost. And hear me, you don't have to settle for loss today, church. You don't have to settle for lost because the light of the world is inviting you with his living words to believe and to act on the fact that he is the light of the world. Based on what I see in scripture, I don't think that we as followers of Jesus ever have to experience being lost because Jesus isn't lost, and he never will be lost. And if we're following after one who does not get lost, then we do not have to experience being lost. He is the light of men. His life in you is the light of your life. You are never without navigational light. He came to seek and save the lost. You once were lost, but you're not lost any more. You're following after Jesus, right? You're, you're picking up your cross and you're following after the one who is never lost. He's the light of the world. He says, whoever follows me will never, never walk in darkness. So you don't have to subscribe to this idea of, oh, I'm just in a season where I'm lost right now. That's not the will of God for your life. The will of God for your life is to follow after him who will never lead you in darkness, If you're a follower of Jesus and you're feeling a bit lost, then the question for you today is, are you sure you're still following him? Maybe you thought you were following him, but maybe you've been following your emotions. Maybe you've been following your desires, your circumstances, or your friends. You may need to reroute this morning. You may need to repent, turn your heart back towards him. And maybe you're thinking, well, this is great. I just realized, like, I haven't been following Jesus for the last six weeks or the last six months. Like, how am I ever going to catch up? How am I ever going to find where he's at? That's not how it works. You repent. You turn to Jesus, and he comes running to meet you right where you're at and grabs you by the arm and says, okay, I'm here. Follow me that's the grace and the mercy of God for you today. He wants to guide your life no matter how overcast the situation may seem the light of God's word will guide you. Number 4 light reveals. Light reveals. Whatever is hiding in darkness when the light begins to shine on it it will be revealed. Light reveals. They can't help it it's just what light does. Uh, every once in a while, I'll be pulling into our home after dark, and the headlights on my car will reveal something that's there in the darkness that I would have not known was there unless the light had Uh, shown on what was in the darkness, like usually a creepy little armadillo. I have no idea that creepy little armadillo is there until I turn and my lights hit its beady little eyes and light reveals that the armadillo was there in the darkness. Um, The substance of physical light is being used in medicine more and more. Uh, Light shining in darkest and smallest places of our bodies to reveal what's hiding in the darkness. Physical light reveals And supernatural light reveals. Jesus, the light of the world, reveals. What does he reveal? He reveals truth. In Acts 9, we read about the dramatic conversion of Saul, who was Apostle Paul that we just read about, uh, that, that, that the angel appeared to Apostle Paul. Before he was Apostle Paul, he was Saul. He was an angry and violent man. He was absolutely convinced of his own righteousness. He was dead set on destroying the disciples of the Lord. In his own words, Saul said he persecuted the church of God beyond measure and he was trying to destroy it. He's on his way to Damascus where he's going to wreak more havoc and look at me or look with me at what happens next in Acts chapter 9. It says, now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light, somebody say light, light. a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Lord. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what to do. Now, Paul mentions in another place in Acts as he's retelling this story that the light that shone around him was brighter than the midday Son, Jesus, the light of of the world is shining around Saul in this moment. And that light, the light of Jesus, is revealing the truth to him. Light can't help it. It's what light does. Light reveals the truth. Light reveals what's really there. Saul thought he was persecuting men, but the light of Jesus shines and he realizes he's actually persecuting God. Saul thought he was serving God, but the truth is revealed. He's actually fighting against God. Now, we know that that Saul was physically blind for three days after this encounter with the light, but he was beginning to see more clearly than ever before. Lies were being exposed and truth was being revealed by the light of Jesus. When we encounter the truth, the light of the world, he reveals truth to us. He reveals our sins he reveals where we're deceived. He reveals lies that the enemy has us believing. He reveals idols that we're worshiping. He, re- he will reveal what's not pleasing to him. And we should be thankful. We should rejoice when we have encounters with the light of Jesus. And he shines his light on our hearts and reveals sin. When he reveals things, we should think, man, I'm so thankful that he loves me enough to shine a light on this mindset that I had begun to justify and think was a righteous mindset. But he's showing me I'm deceived here. We should rejoice and be glad when he shines his light on areas of our lives and helps us to see the truth The truth sets us free. We want to experience the truth. Jesus is illuminating truth for you. And let me just speak to this for just a moment. Maybe you think like you have a a secret sin, like there is something in your life that you feel like is hidden. You know it's hidden from people and, and you start to believe that it's hidden from God. It is not. It can't be hidden from God. Secret and God just don't mix. Light and secret do not mix. Light and darkness do not mix. If you're dealing with a secret sin, if you're hiding a secret sin away, a habitual sin that that you would uh, 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 say that, that nobody knows about, but you know about it, and it's something ongoing in your life, hear me today. It's not a secret to God, and it will be revealed. It will be revealed one of three ways one you can take the off ramp of confession please do this this is the best option take the off ramp of confession i it will be hard. I'm not going to tell you that it's going to be easy, that it's not going to suck, that it's not going to cost you some things, that it's not going to be embarrassing. But here's what God is doing. He is offering you an off-ramp. You are headed down the path of death and destruction. And he's saying, see that off-ramp of confession? Take it and confess your sin. And hear me, confess to God, yes, but you need to confess to a brother or sister in Christ so you can be certain that you really mean business with God. If you're just confessing to God in your car, you can't be certain you really mean business. But if you have to reveal that secret sin to a brother or sister in Christ, you experience the suffering, the shame that Jesus, you suffer with Christ. You you go through what he went through on the cross as you expose this sin, but you do it knowing that there's grace for you and there's hope for you and there's resurrection for you on the other side. So whatever the secret sin is, hear me, take the off-ramp of confession. Tell your wife, tell your husband, tell your parents. You think it's not a big deal, you think the addiction, you think that you're going to be able to overcome it on your own, reveal it. Take the off-ramp of confession. The other way that it will be revealed is God in his mercy will out you. He will out you. You will get caught. Your addiction, the double life, the affair, the hidden secret sin, whatever it is, it will not stay hidden light shines, light reveals. God will out you and he will out you in order to spare you. It's his grace and his mercy trying to keep you from that that road of death and destruction. And then there's the third option. God will turn you over to your sin to be destroyed by it. He'll turn you over to it. You might think you're getting away with something and God says, okay, I've given you several off-ramps, and you have chosen not to take them. I've tried to expose you, to reveal you, to out you, but you're continuing to go back to that darkness. He says, if you want darkness, I'll let you walk in darkness. And what happens is he removes your true north. You have no moral compass anymore, and you will do the most heinous and unimaginable and, 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 and immoral things that you never thought you could do when he turns you over to your darkness. Light reveals you can confess, take the off ramp, wait to get caught, or be turned over to your sin. Darkness and light do not mix. Light reveals, Jesus will reveal the truth. And we're so thankful that He does this, but I have good news. It's not just, and it is good news that He reveals our sin and where we're off, but He also wants to reveal all that pertains to life and godliness, not just where you're falling short. He wants to reveal the beauty of God to you. He wants to reveal all things, all truth to you. John Piper says Jesus is the light in which we see God. He's revealing the nature of God to us. He says, he will be the light in which we see mountains and valleys and oceans and rivers and trees and animals and people. Nothing will be the same when you have him as your light. Everything looks different in the light of Christ. Yes, even earthquakes and tsunamis and suffering and death. Until his light fills the earth as the waters cover the sea and tsunamis and suffering and death, Sorry, until his light fills the earth as waters cover the sea, until it banishes sin and sickness and pain and earthquakes to the outer darkness, until then, even now, his light will help you bear the sorrows of darkness. It will be a soft glow to comfort you in your lonely room after a devastating loss. It will be a lamp on your troubled path. It will reveal the wise and loving face of God behind every frowning providence. Hear me, light reveals. It reveals the face of God. Jesus reveals the face of God. And number five, light shines. Light shines. John twelve thirty six. Jesus says, believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light something amazing happens and we believe this I am statement that Jesus is the light of the world. We become children of the light. We become the begotten sons and daughters of light. We become light bearers. We become children following in the footsteps of the father of lights. You are a light. Light shines. The light of Jesus brings order to chaos As a light bearer, you're called to do the same. You help people find their form. You help people see that they can find their satisfaction in Jesus. You help people find their God-given purpose. You help people step out of darkness. The light of Jesus overcomes darkness. As light bearers, we do the same. Our lives shine. We give people hope when they see us make it through our dark day with Jesus. We give them hope that they can make it through their dark day with Jesus. Light shines. The light of Jesus guides. As light bearers, we do the same. People see the path that we're walking. Jesus being a lamp into our feet, showing us how to walk, showing us where to walk. They see that we're found in Christ and they're lost and they're struggling and they say, hey, you are found. Would you help me? I'm lost. This literally just happened to me. AA family member's ex-husband that I haven't seen in several years, he's almost 20 years older than me. He left the family when I was a kid, but we're Facebook friends and uh, mutual family members. He wrote to me, Sarah, hey, I love your path. I need some advice. I've been feeling really chaotic. Light brings order to chaos and lost. I've been feeling chaotic and lost a bit lately. I'm looking for direction in the Bible. Any particular verses the only reason my path is appealing is because the light of Jesus is illuminating my path and the light of Jesus is shining through me on social media and people see that I am found in him and they say I am lost I love your path will you help me find mine light shines the light of Jesus reveals as light bearers, we do the same we call out sin We confess our sin regularly. We reveal the truth. We reveal the loving face of Jesus. John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you would, would you bow your heads?